0: And when you come off of uh, an enlightening (laughs) uh, series like that, the question is always, and anytime God shows us something, the question is always, how does this change me? Is this just information or can I access application? And so we have been striving for the past two weeks to show how we can apply what we learned in the supernatural storyline of the Bible, because as we have stated, and as scripture continues to show throughout from Genesis to Revelation, we are in the midst of that supernatural storyline. There's a supernatural battle going on in the midst of our lives, though we do not readily identify it, though we cannot see it, though it doesn't appear with neon lights saying, this is supernaturally inspired to be a part of your life. But yet we know if we read the Bible, that we are part of it. So Pastor Curtin, concluding that uh, series, he looked at Ephesians chapter 6, which most of us know is talking about, part of it is talking about uh, the entire armor of God. We're told why we need the armor of God. We're told that we need the armor of God because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And usually, as I've stated each week, people stop talking about the supernatural battle and the arm of God at verse 17. So we have sought to include verses 18 through 20, because I believe that that is also part of what we're supposed to do as it relates to participating in the supernatural storyline as part of our lives. So, what we've been focused on last week, and we're going to continue this week, is on prayer. So the uh, passage that we, that we are uh, going to look at is going to begin in 18. For the sake of time, and because we have been here for uh, quite some time now, two weeks is quite some time to me, um, I will not uh, read the uh, beginning in verse 10 where that section about uh, spiritual warfare begins, But I will just begin at verse 18 of Ephesians chapter six, which says this praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, in reference to praying, being part of what we are not only not, not what we have, that's what the armor is, not the context, which is spiritual warfare, but what we're supposed to do in that context and, and what we're supposed to do in having those weapons we're supposed to be praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication now we know that to pray is to offer a devout petition, praise, thanks etc to God Um, a petition is just a formally drawn request often bearing the names of a number of individuals making the request obviously to praise is, is, is to express approval or admiration commendation Obviously to God, to thank is an expression of appreciation or gratitude or an acknowledgement of services or favor given. All of those are part of prayer. I mention those because of what the definition of prayer is to offer petition, praise, thanks, etc to God. So that's what prayer prayer is. We've established even though it says all times that it's impossible to pray at all times, right you cannot Pray while you sleep, right? You can't do that, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know anybody who's done it. If you have, holler at me. Um, <clears throat> I want to learn how to do that. Um, but there will be times when you aren't praying. But we're to be characterized as people of prayer. We're to be characterized as people who say, "Oh, you hear about something? Oh, okay, let's pray." I'm not. I'm not always characterized by that. I'm probably more characterized by working toward what I want than praying about what I want or what I need. Some people are more prone to worry about what they need or what they want. But when we work toward or pray or or worry about life's outcome, More than we pray about them, we are trusting ourselves more than we trust God. And none of us would say that. No one in their right mind would say, hey, man, I trust myself more than I trust God. So we don't need don't don't evaluate your words because you're more street smart or spiritually smart than to use those words. But look at your actions. Look, I'm looking at my actions. And I'm saying, man, if I'm working toward what I need more than I'm praying about what I need, then I'm trusting myself more than I'm trusting God. This morning, I want to help us to not trust ourselves more than we trust God. And I want to do it by, um, by banging out a little bit more, banging out, uh, developing for those who are not from Landover like me. Um, but, but we want to look at, um, we talked about what it means to pray in the spirit, and we, we, we saw that it means to pray by means of, To pray with the help of, to pray in the spirit of, to be for your prayers to be influenced by the spirit. But just like the supernatural storyline, it is difficult to say right now I'm praying in the spirit. It is. I mean, the spirit is like this, right? Nicodemus, when when Jesus speaks to him, he's like, you know, man, hey, man, the spirit is like the wind. Like you can feel its effects. But you cannot see where it's coming from. You can't see where it's going. And doing things supernaturally is like that. And so how can we tell whether or not we are praying in the spirit? Is it a feeling? Is it when my legs start shaking? Is it when the person responds excitedly? What is it? Remember Elijah? God tells him, "Hey, look, we need to have a conversation." And he goes somewhere and he's looking for God to speak to him, right? And there's this wind. That's not him. There's something else. That's not him. Then there's a still small voice. So God doesn't always fit within the box. It's not always gonna be. It's not always. Acts two, the sound of a mighty rushing wind comes, right? But to Elijah, it's a still small voice. So what are the ingredients that we can use to evaluate whether or not we're praying in the spirit? Remember, praying in the spirit is praying by means of, with the help of, or in the sphere of. So this morning, I want to give you five ingredients. Y'all know I like food. Um, So five ingredients that can help us. Now, these are not necessarily exhaustive. These are to help us. Right. This is the thing about the, this is the 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 the, the issue we're trying to speak about spiritual things is that you we cannot quantify what God does in words. We can't describe God is beyond all of that. There has to be some level of comfort with mystery. So while I. We'll give you some ingredients, and I think these are are worth, um, they're worth, you know, being very familiar with. There could be more. But these are the ones that I have to offer, which will follow. But because we do not want to work toward what we need or what we want, let's take a moment to pray right now. Father, we thank you for this day which you have made. We thank you for the gift of life, Lord. We understand that each day has purpose in the economy of what you are doing. And to allow us to be part of this day means that you have purpose for our participation in it. Our desire is to do that which you have in mind for us. Our desire is that you would lead us to those, as Ephesians 2.10 says, those good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. Father, we ask you that you will please open our minds and our hearts to embrace your word. We pray that your word would come forth. Father, I pray that you would please cause me to increase, decrease, excuse me, to decrease and that you would increase, oh God. We pray that your voice would be heard above any other voice. Father, we ask you that you would speak to those who are under the sound of my voice right now, those who will hear Uh, via uh, technology, those who may be hearing via live stream, Lord, we ask you that you would speak to them. You are able to do this because you know everyone who's here. I don't even know everyone's name in this building right now, but you know us each by name. And so we ask you that you would please speak. (laughs) For that is why we have come. So, Father, we pray that you will please instruct us and help us. In Jesus name. Amen. So these are five ingredients that I believe are spirit to spirit, spirit, empowered prayer. So obviously, uh, so so I did and I did include this or part of this passage that I want to read um, which is Hebrews uh, 5, 12 through 14. I think I focused on 14, but 12 and 13 give further context that hopefully brings some measure of clarity. Uh, this is what Paul, is, uh, excuse me, what the writer of Hebrews is saying. I don't believe the writer of Hebrews is Paul necessarily, so that was a slip up. Um, so that's not like insight into what I think about Hebrews, but, um, but we don't know who the writer is. But the writer says, for though by this time uh, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Now, I'm going to pause right there because um, uh, part of what, what I said, and I'm not going to say it verbatim, but part of what I said um, could have left you thinking, well, man, I still don't know how... Um, what praying in the spirit looks like. And I don't think anything that I said thus far will help you like get a, a, a um, you know, a chart to be able to, all right, when we do this, then get, get a workflow, like it's not going to help you get a workflow. So I'm speak, I'll be speaking in principles because this phrase in verse 13 Everyone who lives on milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness since he is a child. The skill to do verse 14, but solid food is for the mature. Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There is something about walking with the Lord that you know him better, that is not, you, you know that you know. Just like where it says in uh, Romans 8 that uh, the spirit gives witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, there's no way to describe that. There's no way to, to describe I know when I feel like, man, right now, I'm, so, so hopefully um, when Warren was giving his exaltation, um, you resonated with that because it's bearing witness that you're God's child. So how do I describe that? Well, if I'm observing it, because I'm, I'm, uh, I went to get some water, so I got my water, I, I heard a commotion. It wasn't a bad commotion. It was a good commotion. I heard some loudness, some energy, some, some emotion. Then I heard others join in. Came in, I joined in. Why did I join in? Because the spirit was resonating. That yes, what he's saying is true about God, about us, our identity. Yes, all of that. But how do you describe that? I don't think you can describe that. It's like the spirit, right? The the wind analogy that Jesus used. You can't see where it came from. You can't, oh, it came from there. I mean, it could look like it's coming from Warren, but, but but it's not coming from Warren. Right? Our knowledge of God increases with our experience of God. Now, that experience does have to be evaluated, and we're going to get to that. But just, just one, one, one last uh, uh, reference. When Peter and John, after Jesus is resurrected, when Peter and John are in the boat, they've not caught, they've not caught anything for a while, right? They don't catch anything for a while, Jesus is on the shore, and he's like, children, put the net down on the other side. They put the net down on the other side. They get all these fish, and it's like it doesn't, take, it doesn't take rocket science. They know, hey, that's what the Lord did. And so they're like, that's the Lord, right? At first, they didn't recognize him. But their experience of him did give them a context to process how he normally moves. And so they did it, and, of course, that was him on the shore. Now, he's not appearing to us like that. I mean, I remember I said that once, and somebody's uh, dad was here, and they was like, hey, man, the Lord appeared to me. I, he hasn't appeared to me uh, like that. But what he does allow is for us to uh, train our powers of discernment by practicing. That's right, get excited. By practicing, by, by seeing what's good and what's not good. Again, I keep saying this, um, art, not science. Science, this is how we observe it, boom, 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 boom. Art is more, there's something else to art than just boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom can be in there, but it's not only boom, boom, boom. It's a little more dynamic, right? It's a little more dynamic than that, right? Or, or classical and jazz, if you music, right? They're the notes. And then there's the just play, just play, yeah, just play. Let's see what happens. So in the mystery of how the spirit works, there's mystery in how to pray in the spirit in terms of a boom, boom, boom. First, uh, get on your knees. Then, you know, it's, 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 it's not like that. Right, because people, even that, people pray in all types of positions, right? They stand up, some people pray in their car. Um, But let's get on to the ingredients that can help us to train our powers of discernment to be able to label either how we're praying or people who are praying for us, whether or not their prayer is empowered by the Spirit. So, first of all, Spirit empowered prayer is. To God Almighty. It is faith-filled expression to God Almighty. Very familiar passage of Scripture, uh, um, Hebrews 11:6, right? It says, "And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, speaking of God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Spirit-empowered prayer is to God. Spirit-empowered prayer has faith in God. Spirit-empowered prayer first believes that he exists, and then it believes that he rewards those who trust and depend on him. That's one ingredient. And while I have faith in what God can do, I've already confessed that sometimes my, if, you, if you were watching a video of my life, you would say he trusts in himself more than he trusts in God because he will work toward what he needs rather than pray about it at times. Now, if it's really, you know, something new or something that I, I'm very aware I need God's help in, then of course I'll pray. But there are some things that, you know, as you get older, some things you can just do. And then there's some things you can't continue doing. <laughs> you might pray about. But I think we're supposed to be characterized by prayer. Prayer at all times. So, so spirit empowered prayer is first is to God Almighty and it's full of faith toward him. Not any outcome but him. There, there is a difference, as we'll see in a moment. Spirit empowered uh, prayer begins with obedience to God. Right. So so if we are not walking with God, if we are in unrepentant sin, we should not expect that we will receive anything from God. Now, I'm not saying don't pray if you're in that state, because God is gracious. I remember praying prayers when I know I wasn't walking with God and like for whatever reason. He blessed me. Now, I'm not talking about he blessed me with something that like, you would want, but I mean, he spared my life. That's one thing I was praying for. He had mercy on me. That was something I was praying for. And he did that when I thought I couldn't receive mercy, right? But spirit and power prayer includes a heart that is intent on being obedient to God. Look what it says in the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, uh, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. So he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to his own people that their disobedience has affected his response to them. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So he's not inclining his ear necessarily to those people. Now, he's gracious. He can do whatever he wants. he, He makes the rules. So if he wants to answer, he wants to be gracious. He knows his plan. And he can do that spirit and power. Prayer is in the name of or the authority of Jesus. All right. So John 14, 13 and 14 says, whatever you ask in my name, this is this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This I will do that. My father may be glorified in the son that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So remember the sons of Sceva who cast out the demon in Jesus' name, who Paul preaches. Well, I don't know how that worked because they weren't walking with Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. So Jesus is like, you know, the one Paul mentioned. That's who we're coming to. So it it worked, but it didn't turn out good for them guys. Um, (laughs) Spirit and power prayer is in the name of Jesus. In the name of means in the authority of. Spirit and power prayer is submitted to God's greater plan. So it's not just about what I want or what I think I need, because you know what? Sometimes like children and we're God's children. We don't know what we need. We don't know when we, when we wake. Just think about the things that could happen in a day. Think about about 9-11. For. The people who did not make it through that day, more than likely, most of their days, uh, most, of their, uh, mo- most of their days started off the same way as it had since they've been working there. They did whatever they did. Maybe they hit Starbucks. Even though Dunkin' Donuts is better. But uh, they, they, they hit way out of the coffee. Uh, they do whatever they do. Whatever their routine is, they do it. They see some. Maybe they have a cafe in the bottom of there. I know some place I used to work. There was a cafe there. So you see the same people in there. Hey, how's it going, Bob? Oh, yeah. How you doing? How's work? Haul at them. Go up there. Start doing your your work. Somebody may get on your nerves. Somebody may encourage you. you may get a call from your spouse. But the day didn't end the way they expected. We, we oftentimes, I mean, I'm, I'm, we, we, not you, we, oftentimes just take life for granted. You know, yeah, I'll do this, I'll do it. And, and, and James tells us about that. He tells us that's how we should say if the Lord wills, right, because we don't know, right? But we oftentimes just don't know what we need. So some people whose schedule deviated from what they normally do some of them were spared from what happened at the Twin Towers because they didn't follow. They may not, they may have been, somebody may have been late for work and may have been bemoaning that they were late for work, but God may have caused them to be late for work because that wasn't their time to go. Those things we don't know. We don't get a date. We don't control like when we're born. We don't control fully when we die either. We don't control so much. But I'm the first to say, like children, man, I think, I think, I think I know what's going on. And I need God to help me to remember that without Him I can do nothing. We need God to help us to do that. Because there can be a greater plan that God is doing than what we are experiencing. So in 1 John 514 it says and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us his will not our will right Um, I I have a will you have a will I'm not talking about the legal document either I'm talking about my volition the things I want to happen right so sometimes I'm sure I pray out of that but his word says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then we have the example of our Savior, right? Who, who in the garden, right? He, he has a will also in his humanity. He does not want um, to experience what he's experiencing. He's experiencing this separation between himself and God because the sin of the world is bearing down on him. And you know it. He goes to the garden. He, he takes some of his disciples with him. Tells them to pray. Obviously, they. They, they don't pray, if you know the story, but he does. And he gives us the, 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 the best example of someone who is submitted to God's greater plan than his own will. Luke twenty two forty one, 41. And he withdrew from them, the disciples, about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself is submitted to God's greater plan, not just what he's feeling in the moment. So spirit and power prayer includes being submitted to God's greater plan rather than my plan. So thus far, we have spirit and power prayer. Um. Is first and foremost is to God Almighty, and is filled with faith toward Him. Spirit and power prayer is begins with obedience to God. Spirit and power prayer is in the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus. Spirit and power prayer is submitted to God's greater plan, not just what we what it appears that we need. And finally, spirit for my list, <laughs> spirit and power prayer is informed. By the clearly revealed will of God, Spirit empowered prayer is informed by the clearly revealed will of God. Even if we take before I get to Romans one, Romans twelve, um, even if we take what happened to transition from worship to announcements, there were things that you heard, and even and and, and when Becky was sharing her her uh, exhortation as well. Um, When there there are things that you should hear that should that you heard that should have resonated with scripture that you've heard or read. You should have being loved. Okay, yes, we see that Ephesians one. Right. Um, Being purchased. Right. We see that Paul tells the um, the Ephesian elders that Christ himself has purchased us with his own blood. Right. So, so those things are things we, we should, that we should hear and we should resonate with the truth of it. And for us, for the people of truth, we should be affected by that. And you were. We were. Prayer is informed by the clearly revealed will of God. The clearly revealed will of God is the word of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We know the renewal of our mind takes place from the word of God. Actually, the faith that we have is also inspired by the word of God, according to Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look at the development uh, in, in, in verse 2 of, of, of Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the will of God, as we become more uh, saturated in what his revealed will is then we become more able to discern his will. We become more able to discern his will. When I said it wasn't rocket science, that's what I mean. It's not rocket science. The the sifter, if you would, between in the spirit and not in the spirit has to be God's word. That's the only objective thing we have to discern. Not outcomes, because outcomes, remember that when the, 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 the Antichrist is revealed, he's going to be able to produce some outcomes that would fool people, that would make you think, oh, only God can do that. You read Revelation, you see, oh, there's some things he'll be able to do. Yeah. So outcomes are not the determiner. They're not the determining factor. The determining factor has to be something more objective than outcomes, just as it has to be more objective than how I feel, right? Because our feelings, or at least my feelings, can be influenced by so many things. It, I think it's a few things, but I'm sure it's so many things, right? I think I'm tough, so it's not, it's not I don't think I'm tough, like, I think I'm bad to you, but it's like, man, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to worry about that, I'm not going to worry about this. But then I notice that there are some things that are relatively small that kind of bother me sometimes. Now, most of you probably wouldn't be able to tell, but there's one person in here who could tell. I'm not even going to say who that is because you already know who it is. It's God. It's like, nah, it's my, my wife. Of course, of course. God is the answer to everything, right? Children's. What did you learn about me? Jesus, right? So, so. The word of God always has to be our standard for evaluating every single thing there is. Hopefully when you came to this church, if you're a member and have been a member for a while, hopefully what, how the word was preached, how people practiced the word, hopefully that influenced whether or not you were going to be here, whether or not you were going to stay here. Because every church should be evaluated on that. Not on, I, I remember, as some of you know this, um, so sorry if you know this, but for those who don't, uh, there's a fair amount who probably don't. Um, when I first came in here, I just came because my wife was like kind of like hounding me about visiting this church, this church, because she had met somebody who invited her to the church. And basically, I was like, all right, man, I'm gonna just go like just to like get her off my back, because right now I'm not, I don't want to go. So I came. And the church didn't look anything like I wanted it to look for the church that I was going to be a part of. Because the church that I wanted to be in, I wanted the person to be preaching and, and, and singing as they preach. I, I, I wanted to go to a church like that. That's not the type of church I grew up in. So I wanted somebody who could get, break down some knowledge and then get to that point where they just take you to another level through that sort I'm like, oh, yes. When that's done well, I love it so much. But that's not what was happening here. It's not, I mean, it was far from what was happening here. Man, I wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to be able to sit out there and just be uplifted by this choir, this vicious choir. There was no choir at all. That was like 30 years ago. Yeah, I was only two at the time. No, no. no. <laughs> but what I saw that I liked was regardless of their style, them brothers was trying to be faithful to that word. And they had a level of humility with them that I'm like, hey, you know what? I think I prefer that over the, "well, wow, everybody, you know, I, you know, I think I prefer that over that, you know what I'm saying? And they had a praise and worship team that seemed to be sincerely worshiping God. And even that meant something to me. Oh, I saw this video. I don't know what I said this video. I'm not going to do it. But I'm gonna tell you, there can be, yeah, there can be a lot of foolishness that goes on in choirs. Yeah. Not saying that it, I, I mean I didn't know the people up here, right? That's my, I don't know, but I just know they looked like they were worshiping God. They didn't look like they were trying to do anything to like impress us or to take us. No, they were just trying to worship the Lord, and I appreciate it that genuine display of worship, or at least what I thought. The Lord knows, but I know what I thought I saw, so I just went with that. Then I saw another piece of humility within the leadership where, like, I think it was the pastor's birthday. So his, his his he wasn't, a, the other guy wasn't a pastor. He was the administrator. He eventually became the pastor that hired me. Um, but he took over the preaching, and they just honored this man for his birthday. And they, they did little wild stuff, like uh, like had a little scavenger hunt, I think. Well like I think he, he liked to fish a lot, so there was a fishing rod involved and there was some other things involved. And I'm like, man, they, they really must have a good relationship with their pastor. They doing all this stuff. Took over the preaching, making them play games, like and it's like man, on a Sunday morning, like I mean, I don't know. I'm I don't know how many other people came back, but Karen and I we came back. So <laughs> some people might have been turned off by that, but I was like man they must really love this dude, and like they really they they have respect for him, and they can and they can joke around. So I was like, you know what? We'll come back next Sunday. And so we came, but the biggest thing wasn't all of the you know. Uh, eventually, what, what did it for me was my understanding of how they preached the word. And how they were striving to live the word. Because that's more objective than like how high the sopranos can sing, how well the keys can be hit, or anything else. It's what does the word say and are we striving to obey the word as best we can. And from what I saw, that is what was happening. Our prayer life is no different. Our prayer life should be informed by God's word. Our evaluation of the prayers of others should be uh, 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 evaluated by God's word. See, just as the word, as Pastor Kirk talked about, uh, the upper part, the, the, the you know, the uh, 10 through 17 of Ephesians 6. Um, and he mentioned that the word was like the glue that held the armor together. Just as the word is that for the for the for holding the armor together, the word is the primary guide for our prayers. The word is the judge of how spiritually acceptable our prayers are to God. And that's who we're praying to, right? We're not praying to impress anyone else. We're praying to God, and we want our our prayers to be in conjunction and in alignment with what God has to say. So the ingredients, just one more time, and then we'll move forward. But the ingredients are that, that prayer must be it has to be um, the, um, informed by the clearly revealed will of God, the Word of God. Prayer must be submitted to the greater purpose and plan of God. Prayer must be, um, in, excuse me, prayer must be in the name of Jesus. Prayer must begin for the person from their perspective with an oh, obedient heart toward God which is just an expression of, of of knowing, believing that he exists, right? Believing that we're accountable to him. If we, if we don't believe that, then we'll live how we want to live. But if we believe that he exists, then we know we have to live for him. So we, we, we respond in obedience to the reality that he exists, and we believe that we should put our faith in him. And as far as the, back to the Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, for though by this time he says you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So the word helps us to become skillful at praying in the spirit. It doesn't say that here, but, but because the word helps us to train our powers of discernment. The next verse, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between, it doesn't say between them, but good and evil, good from evil. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 say, do not be deceived. God is not mocked whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Now, obviously, that's talking about, as you see from the uh, eighth, eighth verse, uh, for the one who sows to his own flesh will uh, from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So that is a very specific verse talking about how one lives toward God, but there, there is also... Um, a principle that one that when you sow to something, you can expect to reap from that thing. So that's why people go to college, right? They sow <laughs> towards learning how to be a whatever, a, a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. They're sowing towards it. They don't just know how to do that. They may have the ability to learn and become that, but they're not that at the time, right? They have to, why? Because they're not just a doctor or just a whatever. They are a person who needs to sow in that direction so that they can reap the benefit of the knowledge and the experience to be able to do the thing. I believe that principle applies to the things of, of the spirit, period. When we sow to the spirit, we can expect to reap the benefits of having sowed to the spirit. So in our prayers, if we're if we're using the word to help us to sow to the spirit, then our maturation will be elevated. So because we're distinguishing between good and evil, and obviously, if we're praying, we're trying to do something good. Right. So so we're we're praying in alignment with that word. We're skilled in the word so that we can pray in the spirit. Remember, in the spirit just means to pray by means of, to pray with the help of, to pray in the sphere of. Now, what I'm telling you, I've I've alluded to this, um, but these are principles, not formulas, right? So it's not, um, you know, it's it's not uh, if you, I know a lot of people breastfeed now, but but when I had kids, some of them had to get that formula, right? So you put two for this, and I don't even remember what it is now because that was, before I even came to the church, which was 30 years ago, man. And he was like, mm. So it was, so it was, it was, it was a long time ago. So I don't remember what the, what, the, what the equation was to get the milk that was supposed to to the point where, like, the children could eat it, drink it, and get nourishment from it. This is not a formula. These are principles to guide us in our practice so that we can be like John and Peter and say, oh, that's the Lord. So I want, to, I want to, because it's not a formula, I just want to remind you of some things that I, that I know you already know. John 10, 1 through 5 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." Now, this is an assurance that 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 God's people, that Jesus' sheep know his voice. Now, the context is one that should be one of assurance. So it's not about prayer, but again, the principle that God's people know his voice, that is one that we can apply. Obviously, when there are principles, you do have to balance that out with like just some scrutiny, right? <laughs> You do have to balance that out with some scrutiny, Um, but you should operate as if God's people know his voice. If you need anything to encourage you that God's people know his voice, just remember that some kind of way like you if you're if you're walking with the Lord right now, like you weren't born that way. Right. Somewhere along the way, he had to call you by name for you to respond to him and come with him and go with him and start to grow with him. Right. You did. You weren't just the person you are now. I know for me, it's been a long time, more than 30 years. It's been a long time. Right. But I'm I'm a different person than that person who wasn't walking with the Lord. I'm a different person than the one who was who only felt like all I can do is ask for mercy. I'm different than that now. I know I can ask for more stuff now. I do ask him for more stuff now. I do, I do. Because I feel I can because I know God's word and I know his voice most of the time. Sometimes I don't know his voice, but I see, oh, that was him. That part is very cool. Look at how God thinks of you. Luke 11, beginning in verse five. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves, loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived on a, on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, the one inside, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are, are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now, he's talking about prayer here. Verse 8, I tell you. Though he will not get up and give him anything because anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, which means his boldness, his, his tenacity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So he's not gonna get up and give it to him just because his friend is his friend. So what, man? You know it's late. You know I'm in bed now, but it's like now nah, he gonna keep knocking, man. He's gonna okay, I'm gonna give it to him because he's gonna disturb my sleep even further. He's going to give him what he needs. Verse 9. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. But verse 11 is sweet. What father among you? if his son asks for a fish will instead give instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion obviously the answer is no one if then if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him if you are unsure Ask your heavenly father for guidance and direction and believe what Jesus himself says that the heavenly father will give us the spirit. If we ask him, if you are unsure about your prayers, you ask God to help you. You ask him to help you. You remember that he sees you as one of his children. You remember his love for you. You remember that that it wasn't, I remember my, my old pastor used to say, and I didn't understand it at the time, but I do now. He was like, I didn't find God. He wasn't lost. I was lost, and he found me. So you remember that out of all of the billions of people in the world on the, at the same time you're here, that he chose you and him if you're walking with him. You remember that out of all of the I don't even. I'm, I'm sorry. My my uh, educational uh, vocabulary is not enough to just go beyond billions. So maybe trillions. Maybe are all, right, all the trillions of people that's ever like lived on the earth ever. He chose you. He chose me. Like he's that aware of who we are that he calls us by name. If we use the John Ten. If we if we use that like his sheep. He calls them by name. Then I love in, 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 in Revelation 3 where it talks about the one who overcomes. I can't remember which, which church it was, but like they'll receive a white stone and in the white stone will be a name that only the person who received it and God himself knows. See, that's how intimately he involved he is with you. So I have five children, five of them. And yesterday I found this little, this little box that had all these pictures of them like when they were little. So I'm looking through that. And it almost brought me to, like, tears. Because inside, and sometimes I do this to my children, I'll just look at them, and I'll just look for the little person. Because I don't ever want to forget the little person and, from the big person. I want to remember everything. I want to savor it all because I love them. God loves More than that. Remember, God says if you he said, uh, Jesus said that if you being evil. So, okay, that's me being evil. That's me. Compared to God, I'm evil, regardless of how much I try to live for him. Compared to him, I'm evil. So if I'm evil, have that type of love for my children. And there's more than one of them. God's love for you is perfect. His love for me is perfect. And so we have to remember that when we are thinking about praying to him. That it's, it's you also have to remember, you have to think, if, if God calls himself a father to us, and he uses in this passage, he uses the analogy of an earthly father and a heavenly father. And the earthly father, we've seen earthly parents just encourage their children in Whatever they do, so when the child is just making noise and can't talk, you don't say, "I'm not going to talk to them." No, you may even start talking like them. Ooh, 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 ooh. Da, 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 da. And then you might even start like saying real words to them to help them to speak whatever language it is you speak. Right? For most, for us, it's English, right? But you're going to help them, right? You're not going to be like, "Oh man." They, they're just saying, da, 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 they can't say anything else, and you just give up on them. That's not how God works, right? He doesn't, you don't even work like that, right? You encourage them, right? You help them when they learn how to walk over, learn how to stand. You're encouraged that they, oh, look, she pulled herself up, and she's standing there. Oh, she's doing a little, oh, man, look at that. You're excited about that, right? You're not like, oh, man, I'm not happy till you walk. No, you're excited at the journey, right? So God isn't looking at your prayers and be like, Oh, man, he's not like that. He loves us. We have his word to help us. And he's not like this over us. He's not the football coach, man. That, that's, he's, not, that's not, he's not the basketball coach. He's not, he's not, that's not him. He's your heavenly father. He's our heavenly father. So while we should scrutinize on some level, I believe that God is the encouraging parent. He'll adjust us. If you've ever, like, believed some, anything wacky theologically, ever, even if it's only been one thing or half a thing, Who brought you from that place? There are people who are still there who've been there for years, but he brought you like he's, he's working with us. Right. So that's what we that's what we need to remember about him is that he's working with us. So I would I would encourage. So I want to I, I, I have more to say, but I'm going to begin concluding in this way. I would encourage us, if we really want to, to, to remember the five ingredients, I would encourage us also to look at the prayers in scripture. Because they're in scripture. So they're spirit inspired, right? So we can learn from those and we can pattern our prayers after that. So if you don't know how to pray at all, if you feel that way, just remember some of the stuff you read. And when, you, when you're praying, and you, and, you, and, and, and you don't know what to say, then you just start calling Scripture to mind. Lord, I thank you that before the foundation of the world that you loved us. Lord, I thank you that, that you chose us, like, way back then, before my parents even knew each other, before they were even thought of, like you were thinking of us, thinking of me, thinking of Karen. Lord, thank you that, you, that you're the one who gave me my children, right? Children are a blessing from the Lord. They're heritage from them, right? So, Lord, I, I pray over them. I don't care if they're the little people I saw in the picture or the people that have children now. I, I don't care. I'm going to pray for them like they're mine until I can't pray no more, Lord. And whatever I think is best for them, I'm going to pray in that direction, regardless of what they're doing. That part is on them. But I know how I'm going to pray to you because I know what your word says about parents and children. I'm going to pray in that direction. I'm going to pray for my spouse, Lord, because I know your plan for us. I know what your word says. I know how your word describes what we should look like. And whether we look like that or not, we're going to pray in that direction because your word describes me loving my wife as Christ loves the church. Right. The word can inform us and we will definitely be praying in the spirit in that case. So let's look at the the prayers in scripture. So uh, we have the Lord's prayer. Obviously, we have that in in um, in Luke 11. We have Jesus's high priestly prayer in John 17. Um, We have Paul praying a couple of times and we have. I mean, obviously, he prays more than this, but um, the ones I have down for consideration are Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through. 21, and then Colossians 1, 3 through 14. Just look at those, and if you don't know what to pray for others, pray those things for other people. Pray them for other people. You could also use the Lord's Prayer, and you could could break that down into like six areas of prayer for six days a week. So you could say, all right, I'm not saying this you can start at whichever day you want to start. I'm going to start at Monday just for the sake of things. Uh, hallow be your name. So I'm just going to focus on the holiness of God that whole day. All the passages I know about holiness, I'm going to put, I, I, now, I've done the work of putting some of that together, but I don't execute it as often as I, nearly as often as I should. But um, you can put down the passages you know about God's holiness, and you can pray through those. Tuesday, your kingdom come. You can pray for the coming of God's kingdom. Uh, on Wednesday, you can pray for his provision. Give us each day our daily bread. It doesn't have to just be restricted to bread. You can pray for your enemies. <laughs> when you say, Lord, well, I'm sorry, you could pray for, excuse me, not your enemies. You can pray for yourself um, and your growth in sanctification, where you pray for Lord to forgive us our sins on Thursday. On Friday, you could pray... Um, for those who have offended you. Because we're asking the Lord to forgive us our sins. How? As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And then on Saturday, you can just, again, pray again for sanctification to not be led into temptation. And then Sunday, you can take a break or do a combination. But that's, that's a practical thing you could do. Um, you could use the Church Center app. Go into the... Um, the Solid, the Solid Rock members and you can pull up the members and you can decide to like go in alphabetical order and just pray for people in the church. Obviously, if people are in your group, your, your small group, you can pray for them. If you have a conversation with someone here, you can pray for that person, hopefully here, but also there, wherever they there is home. Right. And throughout the week. So these are some things that we can do to help us to pray in the spirit. Remember, praying in the spirit is merely uh, by means of, to pray by means of the spirit, to pray with the help of the spirit, to pray in the spirit of the spirit. And the five ingredients that I gave you um, are that um, spirit-empowered prayer is directed um, and filled with faith toward God. (laughs) Spirit-empowered prayer flows from, uh, being obedient to God spirit and power prayers in the name of Jesus spirit and power prayers submitted to God's plan spirit and power prayers always in line with the clearly revealed uh, will of God, which is his word. And so, no, it's not rocket science. It's not science at all. It's it's art. It's relationship. It's exercising our senses to discern between good and evil. By the word of God. The same thing can apply to prayer. Father, thank you so much that we can come boldly before your throne of grace and receive help in our time of need. We ask you that you would help us to be people of prayer. Lord, we don't know what awaits us uh, next week. We don't know what awaits us tomorrow. We don't know what awaits us when we leave here. We don't know what awaits us once we finish communion, Lord. We don't know. We have a sense but we don't know what you know. And Lord, there are some things that we know and we know that we we need your help with. And so we do want to be people who bring those things to you. We don't want to be people who merely work toward or worry about the things that we know we have need of. We want to be people who first pray about those things and then do what we need to do. But the first thing we need to do is to involve you therefore we should pray so father please um, give us appetite for give us appetite for praying Lord please increase our desire to pray please help us to pray those of us who do pray uh, help us to pray for uh, a heart of prayer to break out in this church Lord and to characterize this church Father, we ask you that you would please uh, do this for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, I pray and I thank you. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right, so uh, don't forget to get your communion stuff if you need any, but we got a couple of questions we're going to take at this point.
1: Yeah, we have a few questions this morning. Um, the first one, can you talk about how we can fight cynicism in our prayer? Um, You mentioned, like, working for our prayer, worrying about things. How do we fight some of those cultural things, you know, like God helps those who help themselves, like some of those thoughts and patterns that we have in our culture? How do we fight that kind of thing when we pray to God?
0: So um, when, when when we pray, we should always remember the character of God and his disposition toward us. Um, regardless of the outcome of our request because our request I, I, one thing I do is I try to put my request in the context of history not my own history but history period so have there been times when people have prayed and their prayers were unanswered they didn't get the outcome they wanted the people of uh, who became Israel, um, they were in Egypt for 400 years. You think nobody was praying then? People in this country, some of us came here um, as slaves. I mean, I'm sure some people were praying to, I don't know if they were praying to Jesus. I don't know who, who they were praying for as they were coming over. I know eventually uh, here that they were... Um, People, because we have historical evidence, who were believers that were slaves. I would imagine they prayed. For, I, I don't know this. I can't prove that they prayed for freedom. Right. But I know I would have been praying for freedom. That's just a natural human instinct. Right. To not want anybody to control you on that level. Right. Um, so I, what, what I try to do practically is remember who God is. That he loves me and that like no one factor in my life determines his love for me except that I'm a believer. And I realized that that's a miracle. That's not just something I just decided to do. Like, no, he drew me. Like, if I believe that, I mean, people say this. I'm not sure. I'm sure when they say it, they mean it. But I think we have to watch saying things that we may not mean. But people say, and I I do believe this, that God doesn't have to do anything else for me. He's already done enough just by saving me. Because eternity is longer than however long I'm going to live. It is. And if I'm lost for eternity but have every prayer answered in the way that I want it answered, then what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his own soul? Right. So so for me, for me, for me, it's like God has already been better to me than he should have been. He's already shown his love for me by saving me. He's done it in a lot of other ways as well. And but there's some things out There's some things I have on my prayer list that ain't answered. I mean, I've been praying for him for a while, for years. I don't see him, but I cannot because of what I know about God, I cannot be cynical because I don't know God's timing. I don't know when he's going to do what he's going to do. I know I'm going to pray. I, I, I could be like those or we could be like those who who were slain for the sake of the gospel. Right. And they ask, Lord, hey, how long before you do this? How long before you take vengeance on them? And he's like, well, we need to wait until your brothers who are going to be slain in the same way are slain. But 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 he has a plan. I believe He has a plan, so I think, you know, my lack of knowledge of that plan or my inability to, con- you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that the person who asks wants to control their plan. I'm talking like me. Um, so my inability to control that is something that I would not hold against God. I would hold it toward me as knowing, like, hey, you know what? You just don't know when God is going to do what He does, right? I'm com- I, even though I have, I'm convinced that people pray for their Their um, freedom because I'm one of their descendants and I'm free. And I live in a house that if they saw it, they wouldn't even be able to believe it was my house. Right? I mean, if you so, so I try to put my prayers in the context of history and also not just history, but also redemptive history. There are people who just their prayers didn't get answered the way they wanted. You know, Jeremiah uh, preaches and like nobody gets saved. Does that mean he wasn't supposed to preach? I don't think so. No, nah, God, he better preach because he's the one that God said, if you don't preach to him, like, I'm going to do this and that to you. So it's like, oh, man, but you better preach than, <laughs> you know, but but he could have been wondering, like, why? Why am I preaching? So we don't get all of that information in real time. Maybe the Lord will share that with them uh, when he's when he's, you know, chilling with him in, in, in heaven. Um, but since I'm not chilling with him and I don't know the answers all I would say is like the way I process that is redemptive historical prayer historical prayer God's character what I know about him and I can't give up because who knows if there's this other thing I have that that I this is what I do this is again this is me I think I've said this before but but I don't know if you remember when God told Abraham that the iniquity of the Amorites hadn't like Basically, it hadn't matured to the point where he's going to bring judgment on them. I don't know. I can't prove this, but I wonder this. And it helps me um, whether or not there's like there's something where like. The amount of prayer that has to come for this to happen. If there's anything such as that, then I'm going to keep praying till the thing happens. I can't. There's nothing in Scripture that says that, that there is that. But since there's some judgment on iniquity, maybe there's some blessing on faithfulness that if we're faithful, then God may bring it through and we may see it. Or. That the things I'm praying for involve other people. Maybe I won't see it, but maybe my prayers empower it. So that would be my answer to that.
1: Thank you. This next question is asking for some clarity. They want to know what's the difference from praying in the spirit and not praying in the spirit. Isn't praying in the spirit, quote unquote, the default setting?
0: Well, it should be the default setting for the believer. Um, but we know that. <laughs> we know that believers are not Perfect. We know that believers can have, so, so even if you remember, like, the conversation between David and Nathan. David wants to build the house of the Lord. Nathan hears it. Nathan knows, again, this is like, this makes sense. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's a default setting for Nathan. Oh, man, yeah, hey, do what's in your heart to do. He feels like, okay, I'm, uh, this is what you, the Lord deserves a house. Take care of that. Has a conversation with God. David should not build my house. He has too much blood on his hand. He can get things ready, but he can't build the house. He got to go back. Hey, man, it was good. Okay, what you get to do is you just get to collect everything so that your son, he can build the house. So believers aren't perfect, even, like, with the Spirit of God. And I know that was before the Spirit of God was given, like, without, at that time it was given to specific people for specific tasks. And uh, they were, you know, kind of... uh, you know, they, 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 they didn't have it in the same measure that we have it. So I understand that. But again, using redemptive history and history, we've seen people who um, name the name of Christ, do things they should not do, do things that are antithetical to God's word, even lead other people into things like that. So I think that, yes, while I would just trust the default. That's not all I would do. So it would be, it'd be both and. It would be like, yes, I want to pray in this way. I'm not going to say that every thought of mine is is the Lord's, because that's, in essence, in my opinion, if we're saying that every prayer we pray is in the spirit, without any scrutiny, That redemptive, historically speaking, that's a dangerous uh, thing to do. And it's a dangerous thing for people to just operate that way about themselves. Now, I'm not saying that, we have to be looking over our shoulder all the time. But I am saying that we we should always have our powers of discernment, uh, that, that antenna up. Um, and, you know, so it should be a def- default that you pray in the Spirit. Yes, I think that. But I also think you should also be, um, we should also be on our guard as well. If you remember, the Judaizers coming to Gal- Galatia, and I think Paul's, His thought about Barnabas was that even Barnabas got carried away with them. So there's sometimes we can get carried away with things that we that we shouldn't, and so we need to make sure that we, um, you know, are just careful, just not to assume. And that's it. We should be, we should do what we do. We should pray in faith. All those things I just said. Um, But we should also know that you know people people and so they can pray they can pray for other people's spouses they can pray like people can pray for some wild stuff so obviously the word tells us guards us against that but we um I, that's what I would say to that and if that person's here then we can talk more if that's unclear to them.
1: we have one more question that came in okay. uh, they want to know what's the most effective way to pray speaking out words out loud or quietly
0: praying well, I say God, uh, I, I don't think there's an answer to that. Um, if you're by yourself, then obviously it doesn't, I mean, God understands your prayers. Um, remember uh, Hannah, she's praying and Eli, the priest, thinks she's drunk because she's mouthing and she's not saying anything, so he's like, put your liquor away, right? And she's like, no, nah, I'm praying, right? Um, so that that's, she's praying, but she's not uttering words. She, obviously, she gets her prayer. Now, I think it can be a practical, if you're going to fall asleep, like pray out loud. Um, <laughs> if you're praying with other people, praying out loud you, you, it's also a way to edify other people and get people to agree with you. Um, but I don't think there's a one over the other um, in God's sight in terms of like, I'm going to honor this more than that. Um, so that's what I would um, say to that. Um, So we're going to take communion and then we have one more thing to do uh, before we end. So I mentioned that that Jesus in John 17, that he gave what was uh, what we call the high priestly prayer. That's his prayer for. um, For the believers who were who were already believers at the time, so for Peter and and and. And Thomas and John, uh, those were those were his prayers for them was in the upper part of chapter 17. And then he prays for those who will believe on their word. That's us. He prays that because he knew he was going to the cross to give his life as a sacrifice, as Warren was talking about, to purchase us with his own.